What is my purpose? Are there any sins God won't forgive? What does the Bible teach about politics? Do all religions believe in the same God? What happens when I die? We all have questions, and we're going to start answering the questions you've been asking about. The Bible, culture, church, or just life in general. You asked for it. Hey, good morning. So excited to see where are all my kids at. Come on. Where are all the kids? Come on. Let's go. <laughs> They're like, no, we don't want to be here. Like, we just want to be downstairs. That's where we, why do you do this to us twice a summer? I don't understand. Well, hey, I'm so glad we have our together with our families uh, here. Uh, we do this just to, to kick off the summer a lot and to close the summer off. And uh, we're going to be able to take communion together uh, today to just kind of get ready for what God's going to do in the new school year, what he's going to be able to do in the new church here as well. Our ministries are kind of picking back up over the fall and uh, just really looking forward to that. So that's why we're going to answer the question today, why do we take communion? Um, the question, why do we do this? Why do we just once a month we, here at Community Covenant, we do every, on the first Sunday of every month, we just take some time to, 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 do, to take communion together. And uh, really, why do we do that? And, and where does it come from? Uh, but before we go there, uh, we want to just touch on a few just like housekeeping things uh, real fast, just kind of community life ideas. Um, first, um, I love the summer gatherings when we do one summer uh, gathering for, at 930, uh, but it always reminds me why we do two gatherings the rest of the year, uh, because we always pack in about 350 people a Sunday, um, and that really is over uh, where our gathering space really allows for us to do. Um, so we go back to two gatherings starting nine, September 17th. Everyone say September 17th. Two gatherings, all right, 830 and 1030. Two, two, in two weeks. We're, we're doing that in two weeks. September 17th, 8.30 and 10.30. Everyone say September 17th, right? <laughs> two gatherings, 8.30 and 10.30, right? So we're doing two gatherings on September 17th, 8.30 and 10.30. Uh, we're going back to two gatherings. We, we, we typically will see our attendants go just about, uh, just go from about 350 over to just about five, 550, 600 almost throughout the year. And so we really look forward to doing that um, or, or, uh, starting on September 17th. So two gatherings uh, coming up. Um, our groups are starting that same week, the week of September 17th. Um, we're starting our, our groups. And, and what I've always said this, it's, it's literally, I think it's near impossible to grow in your faith without being connected to a smaller group of people that know you. That's been a phrase that kind of I, I've, I've, I've taught for the last five years uh, I've been here for three of those, but really about five years ago, I, I stumbled onto that in a real way, like in a personal way. Um, my wife and I just had a group of friends that we realized, you know what, we've been trying to grow um, in our faith and been trying to grow um, as in our walk with the Lord, um, and we've really been stunted because we haven't been connected to a community that knows us. And community is scary sometimes, isn't it? Like community is scary because they have to know things about you. And when they know things about you, like maybe it's not always so pretty because we like to social media our life, right? We like to Facebook our life. And uh, because we like to do that, um, we don't often don't like to be uh, transparent or anything like that. But a lot of times, really, all community groups are are groups of friends that talk about the teachings and talk in groups of friends that you get to hang out with once a week. Like who doesn't want to hang out with their friends once a week, right? Um, so, okay, maybe you don't. <laughs> I mean, I do. Um, we're trying to get a get trying to get the mic figured out, but 
we, but really community groups is really just, they're really just a, a week, uh, our fr- hanging out with our friends weekly um, as we talk about the content and stay connected throughout the year. And so that starts off, our home groups start off on September 17th, but we do have a few recovery groups as well. Um, recovery groups and support groups. Um, financial Peace is kicking off. Uh, for those of you that know this, um, Financial Peace is a, is a group, uh, about a, a nine-week group that helps you kick out some debt in your life that you want to get rid of. Um, it helps you, and it puts you in a community of people, and everyone's like, oh, you know what, I, my, I'm kind of like, I don't want to talk about my debt, because it's debt, it's not fun. Uh, but, but there's actually a lot of people. We had, we had t- about 10 families go through the same course last, uh, the beginning of this year, and, and really paid off about $25,000 worth of stuff, saved up another ten grand. Like, it really is a big thing in nine weeks. There's a lot of fruit from it. Um, so financial peace, uh, grief share and divorce care. Um, if you know someone that is either grieving a death of a loved one or a family member or is going through a divorce or has gone through a divorce and hasn't really recovered from that, we, we just care about those moments in our lives. And so we'd love to connect you into communities where they're going to teach and train you to get through some of those elements as well. And then starting point, if you're brand new to the faith, I've talked to a few of you like that, brand new to the faith, starting point is really your place to be. It's a starting conversation about all the things we do with Christianity. And maybe you've been following Jesus for like 25, 30 years and you just need to kick off the dust and kind of get back to the bare bones. Starting point's a great spot for you. And so those four environments are just uh, for that. So all of that is starting back up. But again, if you want to be connected to the care of our church, I say this a lot, uh, it's impossible for our staff to care for, um, there's literally 800 800 people connected to our church uh, on a monthly basis. It's impossible for six staff members, seven staff members to do that. That's why you get connected into a community group. Care comes best from within the church. And, and so for, from within your friends and within your communities, you'll be connected to the care of our church that way. So if you haven't signed up for a home group or a, start or, or, a, or a support group yet, do that today at the Connections desk or at the Next Steps desk, and we'll be able to hang out together throughout the year. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, so we have groups starting. Uh, yesterday was our second full week at the Hope Center um, in Pawtucket. Um, again, we saw, we saw literally like 150 people. We, we gave 200 bags of groceries away. Well, we, 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 we sold 200 bags of groceries at a much cheaper rate than everything. But we've had, one family came in um, and said, literally, my, my daughter got into a, a car accident this week. It took away all of our money for the week. And we had no money for food. And they came in, they were able to buy a whole week's worth of groceries for like $15. Uh, and so something that we were able to, to really see some fruit on right away. We saw a woman with 39 grandchildren come in. 39. That's like half our children's ministry. So, so we gave her an invite card immediately um, to try to get her to come to church. But, uh, but 39 grandchildren. Um, and then we, this other woman turned, was turning 85 that day. Just so we, we've seen, we're seeing a lot, a lot of uh, legitimate hope and care being given to people on the front lines there. And so there's still people that need, volu- we, we still need some volunteers throughout our week to help stock and also on Saturdays. So if you, can, if you want to connect with that, um, this is just our church. This is it. This is who's doing it. Um, and we've seen a lot of gr- great people. You can still connect with that. So sign up at the Connections Desk um, or see my wife, Connie, if you know her, um, and, 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 see, and she'll be able to get you connected on that. Um, Hurricane Harvey. Uh, we sent out a, an email this week. If you're on the email list, um, we sent an email about ways that we're connecting on that. Um, obviously, devastation is in its place. We have a picture, uh, you know, just a, a simple New York Times picture that, um, that, uh, that, that, that I pulled offline. But if you think about it, I mean, that's a, that's a red light, right? And so that's parts of Texas 
are under that much water. The, the, the water is beginning to, uh, to, to recede, um, but that's really where they need uh, the help, right? Now, now they're, literally, there's, there, if you haven't done any if you haven't done any research on this yet or haven't stayed to get connected on the picture, just Google um, a simple like, look at some of these pictures because what's happening now is people are gutting their entire house and leaving it on the sidewalk. Um, you know, just furniture, walls, you know, just kind of everything. In parts of Texas, literally the water's up to like the second level. Um, so Scott Martin um, and his network, Scott, if you want to raise your hand there, um, Scott Martin and his, and his network, they were down there in Houston this week and uh, our church has always done something when it comes to this stuff. This is like part of our DNA. And, and so we, every time that something like this happens, we're saying, all right, what, what, what can we do? And, and so Scott and his, and his network has really been able to give us some, some source to not just, you know, there, it's cool to connect with, you know, big organizations and give some money. We do that. We're part of relationships like that. Um, but, but really what our church has always done is connected with some personal people on the ground. And so that's what they were doing this week and connecting us to a church called Celebration Church on ways that we can really engage. And so they're finding that one of the biggest needs right now in the next couple of weeks really is going to be literally moving water out of their house. And I know that can be difficult to comprehend sometimes, but literally water is just in their house and they need to dispel the water. They need to move water from where it shouldn't be to where it needs to be. Um, and so one of the biggest th- needs that they need is, is a, is a three-inch trash pump, a water pump, that's going to be able to move that water out. The, the pumps themselves, they cost $500, and the hoses around that cost $125, and so the whole assembly is $625. Just from us sending out a simple email this week, uh, when, when I sent out a simple email uh, t- talking about giving, we raised enough to buy two of these, um, which is awesome, Yeah. Which, you know what I love about that is that we're not even flexing our muscles yet. <laughs> and so I think we can do a few more of these because this is what really they need. There's also, you should have received a donations list when you, re- when you came in. Um, there's also an opportunity, we might be able to do a container. Uh, if you were here a few years ago for the Ebola project that we did, um, we, we literally packed a container and sent it to Africa, to some friends in Africa that we have. And uh, because our church has friends in Africa, which is really cool. Um, but we're able to do it, we're setting up to be able to do another one. So there's a donations list. You're going to be able to donate here throughout the week, um, all, of these, all of these items. And if you just think about the basics of just trying to change your son or your daughter when you don't have anything anymore. Think about the basics of trying to figure out how to brush your teeth and do all that. People literally staying in, in shelters for a few days. And then there, some people are buying uh, travel trailers to go right in there. Uh, to go right in their uh, driveway as they begin to, um, as they begin to uh, literally gut their house. Um, and so we really, uh, really want to come around that in some major ways. So we're going to, there's a, uh, Pastor Sean at Stone Coast is, is in on this. And so obviously our friends and family down at Stone Coast, they're going to um, be uh, pulling some things together. Our friends and family up at Bethany Community Church with Phil McCutcheon. Remember, Joy and Steve Johnson are up there. Uh, for those of you that remember their name, um, they're up there with them, and, and a lot of good friends are up there. They're going to be doing some stuff as well. So we're going to try to pack a container full of all of these needs. Um, so really, really be praying about how you can do that. If you can do a pump or two, man, that'd be awesome. Um, if you could do uh, if you could do just the, the basic needs and necessities on anything here, um, that would be awesome. If you just want to make a donation, uh, you can go online to uh, communitycovenant.church slash give, uh, or you can text it right in. Um, we also put that on there. So all of this stuff helps because this is part of our DNA. 
This is who we are as a church. Um, this stuff happens when the body of Christ is literally the body. Um, a lot of times we, we we're really good at worship and we're really good at praising God for something. We're really good at community, um, we're connecting with each other. But sometimes we forget that we exist as a body to be hands and feet, to be the body for people. And this is really when the body of Christ is at its best, is when we can come around people, structure them, and help serve them in moments like this. And so that's something we do. And so without even flexing any muscles, we bought two pumps. Um, and I would love to see exactly what we're going to do over the next couple, next couple weeks as we begin to pack this up uh, and continue to push this up. Amen? We good on that? All right. Well, it's, it's good to do that. Um, but, but let's just uh, go ahead and pray for those in Texas right now and, and just join with them together in solidarity as we come underneath the gospel of Jesus. Jesus, um, we are connected uh, with the church all around the world because of the gospel. God, we all have the same story. We were dead. When we found, and when you found us or responded to you, um, you, you made us come alive. And whether we are uh, a child or whether we um, are older, God, we, we, in anywhere in between, we are all underneath the, the, the banner of Jesus Christ. And so, God, right now, we lift up the, our brothers and sisters to you right now in Texas that, that just need encouragement. They need peace. Uh, God, they need wisdom and steps and administration to be able to put their lives back together. But God, I pray, we, we just pray for your favor in their lives right now, God, that you lift them up, that you, that you let them lift their eyes and put their gaze on you to find hope in the midst of this brokenness, to find purpose in the midst of all of this, uh, in the midst of all of this pain. But God, ultimately, just to find joy in the body of Christ given from you I look forward to thanking you for that. God, empower us as your church to be a part of this. God, we lift up Stone Coast to you right now. God, as, as just family of ours, to, to, to be a part of all that God is doing. God, I pray that you empower them to do this. I pray that you lift up uh, Bethany as well, that, that we can all come together this in a major way to send these supplies and these resources to them. I look forward to thanking you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So why do we take communion? Um, uh, if you were like my son this morning, he came up and he said, hey, dad, what's this? And we said, that's communion juice. And he goes, can I have one? Yes, later, when we do really spiritual things. Come on, what the heck? And when you have, a, when you, when you have these moments, sometimes we see this table up here and we think, okay, cool, it's communion Sunday. And, and maybe, maybe you're just not understanding or maybe, maybe, you, maybe you don't have a clear picture of what we do together as a church. Um, but, but I know often, whether you are, uh, whether you are eight or you're 80, um, understanding why we gather around the table together as, as followers of Christ is really important. The... What we're doing is we're gathering around um, the, the memory of an event that took place. And there's a church, uh, the Church of Corinth in the first century. Um, they, were, they were the poster child. for. They were like MTV church, you know? Like you listen, you watch because it's like kind of like watching a car wreck. You can't take your eyes off of it. But you kind of like the rubber neck sort of thing. Because they were a train wreck of a church. Paul literally sent his, like, this massive letter, and then they were so bad that he had to send another massive letter to them, and then, like, literally all of the stuff going on in between, there's literally letters going back and forth, but the church of Corinth was so badly jacked up that they needed so much pastoring from Paul, 
And at one point, they even messed this table up. And he says, look, I need to, I need to be able to talk to you about this. So if you grab your Bible... Um, that's on your seat or maybe on your phone. Um, go to page 956. We're going to be talking about that real fast this morning. Page 956 in that Bible or 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 17. First Corinthians 11, 17 through 32, page 956. And so Paul's going to correct them in a pretty, uh, a pretty unique way. Um, but he's just going to talk about this table and what the significance of it is. We're going to talk through three things real fast and then be able to get through the rest um, of the gathering together. Verse 17, but in the following instructions, I cannot praise you. So that's an encouraging way to start out. For it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together, which makes you think like, wow, like I kind of want to go to one of their gatherings to see like what's going on. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you, uh, so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. How about that for encouraging? Verse 20, when you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What, don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. And so what Paul's doing is he's establishing the problem. The problem is they were coming to dinner, which in the first century, they would celebrate the Lord's Supper by literally by eating together a big meal. And people would come into the gathering um, had, and, and they would literally, they'd show up and they would selfishly eat a lot of the food. And then the poor and the widow in their community would not be able to partake in the Lord's Supper. For Paul, like the significance of this is massive. They wouldn't have been able to come because for the table, the table is a place of commonality. It's the table, no matter what difference you have, we're all gathered together underneath the banner of Jesus. No matter what age you are, we're all gathered together underneath the banner of Jesus. No matter who you are, no matter where you came from, no matter what you carry, everything is found common underneath the banner of Jesus Christ. And so the implications of this for Paul are massive, so massive that he's angry. Like he literally, what, what this stands for is, is literally is, is making Paul angry. And so they're coming in and they're realizing, okay, so people aren't being able to eat. You're not being able to engage with all of this. And, and so really what is uh, the point of what we're trying to do together? And so Paul's gonna begin to teach them. He said, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't forget about that. Can't you eat at home before you come and celebrate with your church? Can't you be able to do that? Some of you are literally, you're coming to the gathering and you're getting drunk off the wine. Like that's jacked up in all sorts of different ways. And so really, what are we supposed to do when you do that? He says, some, there's divisions among you. Like the table's a common place. And yet you bring your division to the gathering. He says, that's fine, but really it's going to illuminate those that God's approving. 
If, you, if, if what is holding off in your backpack of, of all of your junk, of all the things that you're just kind of div- divisive about regarding the community that you worship with, all of the things that are kind of hanging out right in the back, you bring that to the gathering and you'd rather stew over that than actually be a part of the worship of God. And you say, don't do that. Don't do that. Why? Because when we take communion, we do a major, major thing. He's going to continue to verse 23. He says this, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats his bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before the Lord, before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we could examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So he's going to talk through three major things real fast. Number one, when we take communion, number one, we remember. We remember. And so he's going to, he's saying, hey, hey, for I pass on to you what I, what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, he, he took bread and he broke it. What this event is simply, is simply symbolic of is the Passover from the Israelite nation. The Israelites had found themselves exiled in Egypt. And when they were trying to be freed, the Lord sends massive amounts of plagues to the nation of Egypt so that they could let his people go. And one of them was the the killing of the firstborn, the oldest son in the house. But if you had the blood of a a perfect lamb over over your doorpost, you literally were passed over by the angel that caused the death. Like, so this thing was, it would brought massive amounts of trembling fear in these moments, yet there was gratefulness that God did not cause this to happen in their family. And so what he's saying is there's peace between us and God that our worship is in an event. Our worship is a remembrance of the event for us as Christians of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so that when we come to the table and we take the bread and we drink the cup, we're remembering that we were in fact once dead and now we're made alive in Christ. The gratefulness factor is understanding that you were once dead and now you're made alive. Some of you, I've seen your stories over the last couple of years and you literally were dead and you've come alive and I can see it in your faces when you worship because you understand what dead was. For some of us who are asleep sometimes on weekends, when you come in here, you forget that you were once dead. You forget that you were once dead and made alive in Christ. For some of you, you forget that Jesus actually caused victory over death. Like he died and then resurrected. And so death is not the last word for those that follow him. That resurrection is possible. And so some of you come in here today literally feeling dead. And you forget that there's hope 
and life found in the blood of Jesus. And so when we drink the bread, when we drink the cup and we eat the bread, what we're doing is remembering the event of why we worship together. Why are we grateful? Why do we have joy? Because we were once dead and we're now made alive in Christ. And so we gather around the table to remember the event that we have in the death and the resurrection in Jesus. So we remember. He passes this on to them. This is of first importance. All the other things that we do, all the other lights, all the other things, it's all found their meaning and their importance in the body and the blood of Christ. We remember, when we take communion, we remember that we were dead and now we're made alive. So today when we take communion together, I want you to remember all of the moments that you, were, that you experienced death and all of the moments that you experienced life. I want you to remember life before Christ and now life after Christ. And if you have not had that experience today, I pray that you ask the Lord for it. God, make me come alive. Make me new. If you don't remember a time that you were dead and maybe a time that you now come alive, you probably aren't growing in the Lord. So you say, God, remind me of the time I was dead. Give me deep gratefulness for the life I've found in you. We remember when we take communion. Number two, not only do we remember, we announce. Verse 26, I love this verse is probably my favorite verse in this little section. It says, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. A little bit about announcements this morning. An announcement is a fundamentally different part of language than teaching or debate, isn't it? An announcement you can't really do anything with. Hey, the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Right? That's right. <laughs> Right, Roy's the only one that like literally just left and came back. Right, that's an announcement. You can't do much with it. That's a statement, whatever. Uh, the sky is blue. That's a, th- those, are, those, are, those are announcements. Hey, this is happening on September 10th. It's an announcement. It's not for you to be like, uh, the sky. Let's talk about the sky thing. Announcements are announcements. And so what we do when we take the bread and we drink the cup, we're announcing that life has a new king. We're announcing that the world has a Lord. We're announcing that the the world has a fundamentally different way to live life that is the best way to live life. When we gather around the table, we're literally announcing that there's a different way to live life where you are no longer the king of your own life, you're no longer the Lord, that you fall underneath the creator as his creation and you seek him and you find him so that he can ultimately give you the best way to conquer and live life. That the way of Jesus is the best way to live. Everyone has a way of life. It's a matter of who is Lord over it. And so today, the announcement is this. If you follow Jesus, the announcement is that people are worth dying for. If you follow Jesus, you want to be just like him. People are worth dying for. That was a value that Jesus had. If, there's an, if you are following Jesus, the announcement today when you take the bread and drink the cup is that there is never such a thing as hopelessness. That resurrection is possible for everyone. That death doesn't have the last word, but in fact, they can be changed. So when you talk about people and say, oh, they can never change, you're not functionally living out the way of Jesus in the story of the Bible. 
that when you see people and you just put them into their own box, that is literally putting them outside of the story of, of the Bible and you aren't living it. Because this story and the announcement of Jesus is that there's hope for everybody, that resurrection is always possible, that death doesn't have the last word. And so if you're going through that, there is a Sunday coming. We're announcing that. There's a way to live life that's different, that's alive, that's better. And so the announcement is that Jesus is king and we follow underneath him. He said, every time you do this, every time you do that, you are acknowledging you are not the Lord over your life. Are we prepared to say that today? Because here's what happens. Here's what happens. We say we aren't the Lord of our own lives on Sunday, and then we just take that back out on the, on the way out. We just kind of like don't even wait till we get to the car sometimes. We kind of pick up that mantle again and say, no, I'm literally over in, in charge of my entire life. And so we move through these situations. We say, okay, I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm going to make my own ways. I'm going to do my own things. I'm not going to allow the worldview of Jesus to be my own worldview. And so he's like, literally want to be Lord. He literally wants to be Lord over every part of our life. And so the invitation is, do you want to live life the way that you were intended to live today? The announcement is that Jesus is king and that he is the creator. We are his creation. And so we announce together. So not only when we take communion, we remember um, what the event is of why we worship. We announce that there is a new way of life and the best way to live is the way of Jesus. And lastly, we commune together. We commune. The reason why Paul is so upset about this and literally is saying that there's judgment brought on this community by God is because of the communal implications of the fact that they are literally ignoring people. They're ignoring the needy among them. They're ignoring the people all, all sorts of, so the, 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 the sin or the brokenness about the way they're taking communion isn't necessarily their personal relationship with God, although I think there's Plenty to argue here that when this text, when you read this text and you say, I need to consider my life before God, I think you do. Before you take communion, I think you need to confess your sin um, to the Lord. It's a remembrance of the way that you were dead and now that you're alive. It's important that you do that. But I think the other part of it that we never talk about in this text is that it was primarily communal. It was primarily communal. And so the, the fact is they were, they were literally in a bad spot with their community. Because here's what's happening when they come and they take, the, when, they're, when they meet at the table. They're saying, hey, there's joy here. There's, there's peace found here. And we're all underneath the banner of Jesus together. And yet the division seems to be separating things. Some of us are going different places. Some of us are going other ways. And what we need to do is meet up back together and find the joy in the Lord. Find the joy of the worship together. Find the joy in the fact that all of us are structuring our lives around the same person. Find joy in the fact that there is one God. Find joy in the fact that we're all meeting at the same table. And no matter where we come from, we're, we're literally underneath the same banner, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the community is literally all sorts of different places. And if you try to take this community and put it underneath your own, like, okay, I got, I got I, my, my uh, you know, my, my uh, journey or my agenda is primary here. 
and you forget about all of the others, you're literally forgetting a primary function of the table of Jesus Christ. And so really what communion does is it invites us to commune together in a way that leaves all things open-handed underneath Jesus. You say, okay, God, all of these things that you have to heal again, all of these things that you have to bring back together again, you're going to do that. I mean, at one point he says that some of us are even sick and weak because of it. And he said, you know what, forget that stuff. Let's meet back at the table. Let's commune together. Communion is really the announcement, not just for the church and the community that you're in, but it's really to be a part of the big church, the big C church. That it's not about all these different, like the, the fact, I, I just love that we can come together um, with other churches and do something like this hurricane relief effort. Because it reminds us that we're not like a bunch of little retail stores competing for the same business. And if we are competing for the same business, you probably don't want to go to that church because you're not doing any discipleship at that point. Right? You're just moving, moving people. It reminds us that we're a big part of the big C church, the capital C church, that we're a part of the same team. And so when you come to the table, you're literally establishing that I'm a part of the, I'm a follower of Jesus. A lot of people go to church and they don't establish that, that they believe in this idea of God or they believe in this idea of who he is. They believe in all of that sort of thing, but they forget about the fundamental things of what it's like to be a part of a church that establishes themselves under Jesus and Jesus alone. And so it's a reminder of, of what team you're in. So uh, in honor of Thursday night, right? I know this is going to make Roy sin a little bit this morning. Um, but, right? And, and so really what jersey are you wearing? I know, I know, Roy, you're not wearing this one. I know you're not. I was going to put it on the cross today, but I figured that would have been weird. <laughs> we would have lost a family. We would have lost a family. But what jersey are you wearing? When it comes to communion, we are establishing ourselves that Jesus is Lord. That we're not set up by pastor to pastor because that's fickle and that's dry. We're set up by one Lord. So we remind ourselves that we're a big part, big C church. We remind ourselves of all of the things that we're together. But then we remind ourselves that we are actually on the same team here. No matter if there are divisions. And I'm not even aware of some major divisions that we have at the church right now. I'm just establishing the fact that if you are holding on to some things like that, when you read 1 Corinthians 11, he's saying, remember the things that we're a part of. Remember the things that we're a part of. That when you take communion, you're actually taking the bread and taking the cup together with your family because you're part of Jesus' team. And that's good news for us. That's good news for us. And so this morning, why do we take communion? When you come up here, and I, I, I pray that this is at the forefront of your brain when you do this with us, that you come and you remember the fact that you were once dead and Jesus made you alive. And that's the story we want for everybody. And if you've never experienced that, we'd ask you to do that today. Ask the Lord God to make you come alive, make you a new creation. Let communion be the first time you establish that. So we remember the event, the fact that Jesus died and he resurrected and gives us new life alongside with him. We announce that there's new life for all, 
that things are never hopeless, that death does not have the last word, that all of the things about the kingdom, that there is a new king and that life can be made possible because of him. We're making an announcement when we take the bread and we eat the cup. And lastly, we're communing together. We are literally unifying and getting stronger as a church the more and more we come underneath the banner of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the only thing that keeps us together. And so I pray today that when you take the cup and you eat the bread, that we do this in a way that's not unworthily before God. I pray that we do it in a way that we can confess all of our sin, find new life in him, and take all of the division that we might be carrying, whether it's with this one church or church in general, and say there's new life found in Christ. Can I get an amen? Jesus.